Adam. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 208, I want to say. Awesome. That sound about right? Uh-huh. Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion, sweetie, between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm eating potato chips. Uh, how are those potato chips doing? Good. We have uh, three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent but more importantly, sweetie, to become a better you. That's what it's all about. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. That's right. And then we just want uh, the listeners who like this show to tell a friend. And tell a friend. And then they'll do two friends. Um, that's our marketing strategy. We, I talk about that every week. Do you get that's in- Todd's version of marketing. He talks about that we don't have a marketing strategy, and that's how he markets. Do you get annoyed that I bring it up every week? No, I. Understand Do you think it's overkill? A little, but you know what? But I what if somebody's you. listening for the first time? That's the thing. Is sometimes we have learned. I think you and I together that repetition is essential. And sometimes I think repetition is annoying, but then I realize I'll send out the twelfth email, and I'll be like, "Oh, people are going to kill me," and then they'll email me and say, "Thank you." I hadn't, you know, I meant to do this and you reminded me. So I'm like, okay. There so there's go. there's a place in between is what I'm trying to say. That's right, sweetie. Don't you forget that. All righty. Um, so here's what we're going to talk about. I got a really cool money thing. Okay. That's, I don't get excited about that. I think you're going to like this one. Okay. Um, we are going to uh, talk about your thing. What's the deal? We're going to talk about detachment and non-attachment because there is a difference. Something that I think is so important when we talk about awakening or enlightenment or just self-awareness, we'll just use that basic word. And I get reminded of this every time I go teach a group of people because sometimes I start talking kind of in the middle of the story, Mm -hmm. meaning I'll just start talking about, well, self-awareness is this and it's that. And if you don't have that like ground level understanding of what self-awareness is, then everything can be looked at in a way that's not um, helpful. Right. And I think one of the most important things that Todd and I talk about is um, detaching from outcome or um, releasing attachment or non-attachment. And sometimes that can be perceived to mean being detached. And that's a very different thing. So I want to get into that, but you probably don't want to do it yet. I don't want to do it yet. Okay. Um, because uh, first of all, this is kind of a fun little thing. What is? I saw this. I don't know where I saw it. <clears throat> Maybe on USA Today. I basically took our most popular states of people that listen to this show. Okay. And there's like this thing about what this state is uh, statistically kind of interesting about. I don't understand anything you just said. You you took state the of state, California. State of California. They we have the most downloads. Oh, okay. From the state of California. Okay. And what California statistically it's the most of it has the most polluted cities. Okay, so it has nothing to do with Zen parenting. Zero. You're just saying this is something that California and, is. They're and, the most polluted, and they also listen. They're the most downloaded of Zen parenting radio. They are the people who download Zen Parenting right. Radio. The so most. a lot of people in polluted cities are listening to us. <laughs> are you creating statistical significance? Number two is Illinois. Interesting. Well, that's where we're from. Most rail accidents, sweetie. Mm. So watch out. Look both ways. You want to know what do you do? You, did you think about the girls' game that they love to play on their phone? Uh, what is it? The dumb ways to die. The song. Oh yeah. Dumb oh, we should ways play that. To die. 
that. Is there any swear words in that? So many. No, it's for kids. Oh. And you know the whole intention of Dumb Ways to Die is? What is it? Is to not cross railroad tracks when there's a train coming. That's the whole purpose of that game. Really? That's who it's sponsored by. Oh, my god! Because one of the quote-unquote dumb ways to die is that you walk on train tracks when you're not supposed to. Here it is. It's a three-minute song. We can't Set play. fire to your hair. Poke a stick at a grizzly bear. Eat medicine that's out of date. Use your private parts as piranha bait. <laughs> dumb ways to die. The pictures so are the best. Right, I'm gonna turn it down. The good part about this is that the video is pretty funny because oh it's gosh. like a little cartoon. It's like a little game that the girls love to play, and they love this song. Get your toast out with a fork. Do your own electrical work. Teach so. yourself. We're going to put this in the show notes. And, okay. sweetie, sometimes you always say, like, well, people don't ever understand what I mean by show by notes. By show notes, yeah. So if you want to see this video, you'll go to zenparentingradio.com slash 207, I think it is. Well, but do they have to do the slash 207? That's what someone just asked me yes. the other day at the That's why at I say it. But can't they just, like, search it? Right. If they could search it, but what I'm going to tell them to search. I mean, it's the most specific way of doing it. Okay. Otherwise, you have to figure out what we call the show. We don't even know true, what we're going to call true, it true, yet. True. So, or if they're looking immediately, meaning they're listening. And actually, it's 208. This if is they're listening to this show the week that it comes out, it's going to be the first show on the homepage. True. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Okay. So I got to turn this off. So many dumb ways to die. die. And so it's like, you know, I know a lot of parents might be like, ooh, that's, you know, that's scary. They really, it's not scary. No, it's funny. It's it's like any (laughs) video game where you get quote unquote killed. Right. But this is trying to teach the kids something. And I didn't know it was about railway. So that's interesting. So the third state, sweetie, that listens to us the most is New York. Did you know that? Um, Oh, I didn't. And New York is the worst place to be a taxpayer. Why? Because they have high taxes. Oh. State, local, city, all that stuff. And then Texas is next. And poor Texas, they have the fewest high school graduates per capita, sweetie. Mm. Well, it's such a big state. Now, the funniest one is Washington, which is next. Okay. So for those of you who live in Washington, you ready? You ready what what you're known for? Okay. Where's my drum roll? Worst at loving Justin Bieber. Okay, where'd you get these? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's funny. So they did that some survey. That doesn't even make sense. Worst at loving Justin Bieber. Right. Wouldn't so, we say people who don't like Justin Bieber the most? Right. Sweetie, I'm not the writer. You're the writer. <laughs> all right? And then Massachusetts, worst at happy hour. They canceled it in 1984. They were the first ones to cancel happy hour. It's illegal to have happy hour. Is it illegal or do they just not have it I think anymore? it's illegal. You can't have happy hour? I don't think How so. How is that happy? I think it's... Well, it's very unhappy. It is. I think it's because the people... The whole state of Massachusetts can't have happy hour. Pretty sure. I don't think Florida can either. Or maybe they can Okay. Right? I need help with that. Happy hour is just meaning come have some... I think some... what happened, people get drunk and then oh. they go drive home. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. That makes sense to me. I thought they meant like they couldn't have the half, half price appetizers. No, I think it was all about booze. Okay. Well, you know, they have their reasons. Uh, and then Pennsylvania, worse bridges. Not a lot of good bridges in Pennsylvania. So are these still Zen parenting people? Yeah, from top to bottom. Okay, so California, so California's Illinois, first, Illinois second, New, New York, York third, Texas, Texas fourth, Washington fifth, Washington, Massachusetts, Massachusetts sixth, which is interesting. I don't know why we get a good following in Massachusetts. Pennsylvania seventh, and last but not least, 
is uh, Georgia. Georgia. They have the least in- integrity. An estimated 658 state workers having accepted gratuities during a two-year period. If, you you're, if you're a state worker, you're not. I have to say this, Todd, because this is unparenting. All of those are negative. I know. So we need. I think you need to come back to ones that make I think the wa- state actually a great. I think Washington is positive because I don't really like Justin Bieber either. Eh, he's doing his best. Is he? Maybe not. <laughs> but he's having a hard time. Let me say that. We got to imagine, and imagine I know everybody says this. all the people. Imagine if you had to grow up and everyone was watching you. Because as I've shared on this show, I got arrested when I was in high school. Not like for serious things like he is, but... I had some not so great moments, right. and if everybody was like judging me about it, you know, on all over the internet, that'd be pretty hard. So I think that we should understand that. Yeah, he's twenty now or whatever, but he's still a kid. I wouldn't. When we saw him in the interview, like he he couldn't go anywhere. Like he's like there was a time maybe he I could. Know. Like, he couldn't. He literally can't go anywhere because people would just scream and shout and uh and let it all out these are the things <laughs> that i i, I could I really could do, do without. without yeah come on i'm talking to you people um so come on um i'm also gonna we did a whole uh podcast on spanking about a few months ago yes i'm not going we're not going to have that but there's a very interesting thing talks about the science of spanking oh and we're going to talk about that at the end okay. of the thing. The science? Are you going to play She Blinded Me with Science No, again? we did that last week. But okay. as a follow-up to last week's, last week we did a podcast and we talked about relationship, what makes relationships work, what are good predictors predictors of the way yes. relationships oh, work. Oh, yes, this is important to talk about because one of the things we want people to do is go to our website, ZenParentingRadio.com. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. And we want them to click on send us a – is it send us a message? Is that what it says? Yeah, I think it says send us a voicemail. Send us a voice message. All you have to do is click on it. It's mm-hmm. on the web – it's on the you know, the homepage of our website. And, and tell us like a really short story of how your partner shows up for you yeah. or how your partner has your back. Right. Um, because, uh, cause, and I know the story is deeper than one minute or whatever it would do be. Do your best to summarize just it. We're trying to like it. cultivate, you know, I just brought up a bunch of negative stories yes. about these states. We're trying to cultivate some positivity and about relationships because yeah. a lot of times you hear guys complaining about their wives or wives complaining about their husbands or whatever. And we want to counteract that with some goodness. You know what happens in partnerships is that when we are with somebody and we live with them or whatever, they end up kind of being our um, place where we put a lot of blame and a lot of discomfort. They become kind of, we believe that the unconditional love allows us to kind of be annoyed at them all the time or maybe yell at them or say things that are not so nice because, well, we're married and that's just what we do. And I really want people to question that because I think that we can do that for a period of time and think it's working, but I think that erodes relationships and erodes friendships and it erodes your relationship with your children if you treat them that way. And I think sometimes instead of saying, well, it's my family, I can do this, I would switch that and say, it's my family, I would never do that. Right. So... Um, so within the context of last week's podcast, we talked about how to predict whether or not a relationship is going to make make it for the Masters long haul. Masters or disasters. Masters or yeah. disasters is what we called it. Um, and it just made me think because I tend to think in movie lines or movie parts. There's a movie out there called The Bronx Tale or A Bronx Tale. Okay. Have you seen it? Yes. Really good. Yes. Robert De Niro directed it. 
Uh, it's just a really good movie. He's the dad. He plays the good guy, which he usually he does not. Yeah. And um, I'm going to play a clip from this, and it's more funny than meaningful. Okay. But uh, C is the kid, and Sonny is his mentor, gangster guy that he would always- What's C's name? Could Figley- Cologeno? Cologeno. Thank you. So um, this is the way um, uh, Sonny tells C how to decide whether or not- a girl is going to be a good life partner. Okay. Kid for You give her my test. You give her the door test. What's the door test? All right, listen to me. You pull her right where she is, right? Before you get out of the car, you lock both doors. Then you get out of the car, you walk over to her. You bring her over to the car. You take out the key, put in the lock, open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door for her. Then you walk around the back of the car and you look through the rear window. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you. So you can get in, dump her. Just like that? Listen to me, kid. If she doesn't reach over and lift up that button for you so you can get in, that means she's a selfish broad and all you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You dump her and you dump her fast. Yeah, what about all the beautiful things you just told me, though? Do what my heart tells me to do. It's all that matters. Find someone to pull into myself. I mean, hey, this could be one of the great ones. Bullshit, kid. The door test, that's what counts. The door test. The door test. That's what counts. <laughs> Gosh, we get so stuck in our ways, don't we? I just love that movie and I love that part. Oh, it's such a heart-wrenching movie. Oh. Yeah, it's tough. The way it ends. Yeah. Brutal. So um, our first- So on that note, brutal. <laughs> it's a great movie, though. Well, you know what it does? It feels real. Mm-hmm. And I think it- Didn't the guy who wrote it- I know Robert De Niro directed it, but wasn't it the guy who plays Sonny it, it wrote Sonny. it? Uh, what's his name? You know uh, Chaz Palminteri. Thank you. And he was doing like a one-man show of this. Yeah. And De Niro happened- To see it. To see it. Yes. And he's like, we got to make this in a movie. And that's what- uh, catapulted Chaz Palminteri into the stratosphere. Because what I believe, the movies I love, if it be anything from a cartoon to a Bronx tale, are movies that show people's humanity. They're not all bad. They're not all good. They have they make poor choices, but they also are heart-centered because most people are heart-centered. Right. And I'm saying like, I think all people are, right. but a lot of, you know, Everyone will always say, well, "What about this? What about this?" Okay. Well, the people they they are those people are heart centered too, but the heart is covered up. It is with anger or pain or hate. And or whatever. sometimes in these like moments, our heart wins. Right. Like you know, everyone always says love wins, and that's what that means. Like there's these moments where you realize what the most important thing is, even after making all these mistakes or thinking it's something else. And that's the kind of movie I like. Sweetie, don't be saying love wins to meatloaf. You want to know why? Because he thinks that love, isn't it Meatloaf who sings? No, Love Stinks? Yeah. No, that's uh, Jay Giles' band. Really? Yes. Oh, oops. Meatloaf sings, I would do anything for love. Oh, okay. So Meatloaf's more positive. But I won't do that. And what is that? I don't know. To this day, we Have don't Have we ever don't. asked him? Um, I don't know Meatloaf, so I haven't had that Mr. Loaf. I haven't had the opportunity. <laughs> you don't know Mr. Loaf? I don't know Mr. Loaf. <laughs> so I haven't been able to ask, but when that song was popular, he would not comment. He'd say that's, that's up to everybody else. Oh my gosh. He won't do that. That's so great. I know. Um, our first partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, 630-941-8733. They're right here in Elmhurst on Spring Road. If you don't live in Chicago or Elmhurst, look up your chiropractor because it's something that we believe in. It's all about wellness, right, sweetie? 
Um, so a part of me wants to be selfish and get into my portion of what I'm bringing to the table, but you're shaking your head no. no. Let, because this is kind of the, the heart of the show, and then you can do your money afterwards. Well, which, and I want to talk about spanking too. Don't forget. I know, but the I, whole intention of the show was this. I know. We're doing fine on time. Oh, well, okay. So I actually, as I said... Sometimes when I'm teaching, and we kind of talked about this last week too, how sometimes people will say, you know, you'll tell them something about, um, you know, you need to practice self-care, you need to take care of yourself. And they'll say, well, then I am going to completely merge in front of these people and I am going to, you know, take what's mine and and forget about everybody else because I'm practicing self-care. And people like take words or um, spiritual ideology Once and they kind of twist they it. They misconstrue again. This can really happen with detachment, the idea of detachment and non-attachment. And I think that I'm going to use uh, Danielle Laporte's language. I was just reading on her page the other day about differentiating between the two. She actually uses both words and they mean different things, detached and non-attachment. And you need to understand the difference so you can utilize this understanding effectively. Many spiritual teachers will say you need to detach from outcome. Todd and I have said that a lot on the show. You know, it's Or we a, say detach with love. Deta- mm, yeah, right? but that's like from a person. Detach from – or no, not always. You're mm. right. Um, that detaching from um, – you know, we'll say detach from outcome. And what we're trying to say is do your best, bring your, bring your best self, and then let go of what – happens because you do have to have a sense of humility about the world. It's not all about you. Right. And just because you- This is water. This is water. There are so many other things going on that you can't expect just because, well, I put it on my vision board, it should happen because a lot of times the universe is conspiring to help us see something bigger. Right. And so we have to, you know, we have to detach from the way we think because the way we think it's supposed to be is a brain concept. Right. That's a it's, plan. It's a plan that we, I actually just wrote a column for uh, Chicago parent it you know what month it's for what? march which means isn't that crazy st patrick's day well it's just crazy to write something for spring yeah. when i'm still in december yeah. but anyway the column i wrote was just about that like we have to be able to not be so attached to our thoughts that we that if our plan doesn't come to be that the world is somehow against us that we're not good enough or that we think we're somehow a victim right. because we're so huge in that we're essential and we're also one of of billion right. so we can't assume that thing okay so that's what we mean but a lot of times what people say people think with detach is i'm not going to care right that's such a different feeling isn't it right. i don't care right and that ends up being kind of a numbing. Like, well, I don't care what you do, write you off, forget you. Uh, the words that Danielle Laporte uses are rigid, chilly, kind of cranky, like an uptight intellectual cut yeah. off from their heart. Right. You know, like, well, I don't care what you do. And detachment, again, I'm using her language. I can't take credit for this. It is really a cover up for your fear. Mm-hmm. You are trying to detach in order to not get hurt or disappointed. Okay. So does that make sense, Todd? It does. Um, and I, I, I feel like I might be saying this too early, but I feel like uh, it's almost like it, like a, when you're trying to detach from something, you're trying to protect yourself yes. from something. Yes. So in a way, detached is better than 
continuing the same pattern that you were doing, right? Well, because my point is, I think maybe detached is on the way to non-attachment. You know, I'd accept. I think that makes sense. And we haven't talked about what non-attachment is yet, but we will in a second. I think that detached can be a step, but here's the problem. Detached is not heart-centered. Detached is fear. And yeah, Do you I know. know what I mean? I hear you. It's just, I feel like sometimes, like it's a process and maybe this is on the way to that place. It, it could be and I don't, and sometimes that's a step that needs to be taken, but you want to know why detached doesn't work? Why? Because it's a lie. I don't care what you do. Can, we, can you, can you give me a hypothetical? Yes. Um, I have a friend who's hurting me, okay? okay? And it this hurt continues to come and it continues to come. And finally I say, I don't care anymore. I'm done. I'm detaching. Right. What okay. I, What's really happening is I'm lying to myself and everyone else. What I'm lie saying, are you saying to yourself? That lie I'm saying is I'm not getting hurt anymore. When you actually are? Absolutely I'm Got getting it. hurt. Okay. The, the – the lot, the detachment is a pushing away and pretending right. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Yeah. That is a numbing. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? Those feelings don't go away. Right. You just, you, you they just trickle up. into something else yeah. and they like build up like children, you know, detaching is, you know, telling them to detach is they fell down, they hurt their knee, they're crying. And we say, it's okay. It's okay. Move on. You're fine. And they're expected to swallow those feelings. And we think that, oh, poof, they went away. Right. They may have detached from that situation where they're like, oh, I can't cry. But that emotion is still there. Right. It gets stuck somewhere inside. It gets stuck. So it's a pretending. Right. It's a fear-based pretending. Okay. Now, non-attachment. Now, here's, you know, you guys are going to be like, I-, I love words. I love how th- yeah, this and, is a completely And, and the words thing. need to be precise in something like this because they're like, well, isn't that the same thing? And it's not. It's not. And that's why we're talking about this because these kind of concepts can get misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Non-attachment. It's open. It's fluid. It's spacious. It's I trust whatever comes. It's um, – I'm going to use uh, Danielle's words again. Non-attachment knows that some things take time, that you have to meet the universe halfway, that free will is the guiding force, and that anything is possible. Now, here's the difference with my friend. Okay. My friend is hurting me. My my choice is to either detach and say, screw this, yeah. you know, forget it, or I'm going to let go of thinking that she should be a certain way. And I'm going to let go of thinking it should look the way I think it should look. And I'm going to love not only myself, but her, or I should say it the other way, not only her, but myself and make choices that make sure that I'm taking care of myself, but not cut it off. Just let go of the way I think it should be. Well, I think the most powerful paragraph in this is one that I highlighted. And it's a detached, like detached is I'm not playing anymore. I'm taking my ball and going home. Whereas non-attachment is... I'm playing full out, but I'm not attached to an outcome. That's the best way to understand it. It's And actually, we have to give credit. Uh, Michael. Michael Beckwith said that. Um, and those of you who know him, he runs a uh, ministry in California because a lot of people um, listen in California. So right. you may know him. But anyway, he, he detached. I'm not playing anymore. You can just hear the voice. I'm taking my ball and going home. I'm done. Right. Non-attachment is I'm going to play full out. I'm here. I'm showing up, but I'm not attached to what happens. That's a difference, Todd, between the competition thing that you and I always talk about too. Well, it's funny because I'm more like the description of the detachment I'm not playing anymore because the I'm playing out is confusing to me and here's why. Because let's say your friend in in your hypothetical is hurting you. Yeah. Then you're really not playing full out. Don't don't you have to – 
remove yourself. But that's self-care. I'm playing full out is I am Yeah, what does I'm playing full out mean? I'm playing full out means I'm going to stay grounded. I am going to continue to love you. Right. But that love may look different than – because the way I was loving that friend before may have not been healthy for either of us. Right. And so I am not going to, number one, lose my faith in people. Right. Number two, I'm not going to you know shut down my heart and say people suck. Right. I am going to keep loving full out. I'm still going to trust the universe. Right. I'm still going to take care of myself and I'm still going to make sure that I keep my judgments of this person in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't control whatever outcome right. is there. Right. But see, it's kind of like forgiveness, Todd. You know, it's like the thing that's most important is forgiveness is not about like resolving things with people necessarily. It's letting go of how you think things should have been. And it's letting go of carrying that heavy anger mm-hmm. about somebody else inside of you because they're not hurting. Right. You are. Right. And if you can let that go, their experience is doesn't really matter. Right. And so when we are detaching or uh, I'm not detaching, when we're practicing non-attachment right. with people we love or situations at work or whatever, we're showing up full force, 100%. But however it all filters down, there's an acceptance. Right. And a trust. Well, and I feel like forgiveness and that we didn't have a plan to talk about forgiveness on this, but I feel like it's it's related to what this is. Like, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time piecing it all together because I, I love the detachment and the non-attachment differential because to your point, like you even used your body language when you detach, you're pushing somebody you're pushing, away. You're pretending. Yeah. You're like covering it up. You're putting on your armor. Yeah. We're, didn't she talk about like there's a cast? Um, what am I thinking of? I thought she had some thing where there's a cast and then, oh, I don't know. I don't see that. Uh-uh. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I read that. It may have been about something else. I don't know. Well, here's here's what's interesting is is to your point, Todd, what you said before about detachment, sometimes that's a step in the process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to feel the discomfort of detachment, which right. is rigid and chilly and yucky, to know that that's not what you want to do. Right. Um, it's just, again, another side note, we get tangential, but I did a, a speaking engagement the other night, and a lot of parents were talking about how they can prevent their kids from doing this, how they can prevent their kids from doing that, how if they don't stop this, it'll turn into this, and how, you know, they basically basically were trying to control it. Right. And they were kind of shocked when I said, you kind of have to let go and not get too attached right. to how you're going to control it. Because the truth is they have to have some negative experiences to know who they don't want to be. Right. You have to, it's not something we're going to suggest to our kids, but naturally because of their humanness, they will one day say something unkind to somebody right. and they will experience what that feels like and therefore make a decision to not do it anymore. But if we just tell our kids, don't do this, don't do this, we're trying to control and protect them in a way that we really were, were fooling ourselves. Right. Instead, we need to think of being the people who support them as they go through their great moments and their failures and that we tell them you know it's like the um 
you know, remember the whole idea about the African villages who when someone in their village would fall down or fail or make a mistake, they would put that person in the middle of the circle and sing them their song to remind them of who they are. That's our job. It's not to control our children and keep them from ever making a mistake. So again, that was tangential too. Well, I remember the cast metaphor. You sent me something from Liz Gilbert this morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was about forgiveness. And I think it kind of is semi-related to what we're talking about. It said, uh, instead, we just settled immediately into resentment. So in other words, I feel like in this for this conversation, detachment and resentment are similar. You're stuck. And, and what it says is, which is like a hard cast that we wear over a wound that was so painful and frightening and is still so open that we never allowed ourselves to go near the point of injury. Yeah. You know? I do. And uh, that's I, I like that metaphor. Like detachment, you know, in what we're trying to explain here is not healthy. Right. Detachment is I'm done. You know, I'm taking my ball, right. I'm wiping my hands of you, and I'm walking away. Basically, you are walking away with your pain mm-hmm. and resentment. Mm-hmm. You are walking away thinking that they suck, that life sucks, that, you know, there's a victim mentality right. there almost. Non-attachment is I am disappointed. Mm-hmm. I am sad. This is difficult. I am going to keep loving you. I am going to practice my own forgiveness, and I may need to make choices where I can no longer maybe trust you, or I can. When I say trust you, meaning I may not. You may not be the one I'm telling all my secrets to anymore. Like. Ian Van Zandt always says, when you're forgiving somebody and you've gone through that process of forgiveness, that's great, but you don't have to invite them over for Thanksgiving. Right. Like, make a choice to forgive, but then also become wiser. Right. You, you, forgiveness does not mean you go back to the way things was. It, were. Way things were. Were was. Were was. Um, and non-attachment is that idea of, I am going to not carry the resentment because that harms my heart, right. but I am going to let go of how my brain mm-hmm. thought this should be. It's all about brain versus heart, sweetie. And man, Todd, this is some serious, you talk about spiritual development, mm. This and it's a practice right. because you may think I've gone through this so many times that I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. and then it happens again and you're like, dude, yeah. you know, this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is hard work. And because in every situation you have to feel it again. Yeah. You don't just say, well, I've done this work. You've got to feel it again. Yeah. And so um, that's – I think that's it. You feel good about it? Um, I, I'll say this as a closing remark with detachment and non-attachment. Detachment is a closing of your heart. Non-attachment is an opening of your mind, body, spirit, and trusting outcome. Very good. Okay. All right. Uh, second partner is our dentist, John Kelly, who's on the northwest side of Chicago. He's at 5350 West Devon Avenue, Chicago. Um, he does work for our entire family. So if you happen to live in Chicago, give him a call, 773-631-6844. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Agreed. 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 Um, spanking. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I don't know what – I'll try to pull up what our podcast is. We just did a whole thing when Adrian Peterson was doing his thing. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to talk about that, but I found this thing on Upworthy. For those of you – you know what Upworthy is? I do. Most people do. It's just a email you get and something pretty cool. So the science of corporal punishment. Um, it's a really good um, pictorial on what it's all about. So um, I just want to kind of go through a few of these things about like where did the idea that spanking is okay come from? Because it's funny, I'm much more um, declarative on the idea of spanking. I think early in when we started doing the show, we didn't want to 
Um, well, you don't want to judge other people's parenting, but it and, becomes... And I feel like that's what I'm going to do right now. Well, how about you frame it differently then? Let's not go after this in a judgmental way. You're you're offering some science. Right. So why don't you kind of keep all your deep opinions out of it and just okay. go science. Okay, here's the science. Um where does it come from? Ideolo- ideological beliefs. Um, there's something in the Bible that says, spare the rod and spoil the, spoil the child. Proverbs. Proverbs. Um, family upbringing, the idea that I was spanked as a child and I turned out just fine. Right. Oh, we hear that all the time. And what do we say when that happens? Are you sure? Yeah, are you sure you're fine? <laughs> Can't you be any better than you right. are? Well, and that doesn't mean you're not good enough internally. That means you've got baggage because we all do. And the thing, all children are different. So it may have worked for you, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for your kid. Mm-hmm. Your kid is built differently. Mm-hmm. Um, societal norms, peer pressure, and the, this is a big one, seeming like a weak parent. Mm. Oh, I think that's the hugest part. You know, people don't want to appear weak as a parent. Right. And they will smack their kid. So everybody around them knows that they're in control. Or they'll do it at home to gain back immediate control right. because they feel out of control and that is their and, – and our job is not to control our child. Right. Even though – see, it's so funny to say that statement though because people will say control your children yeah. or a child to make a mistake and they'll say, what did the parents mm-hmm. – you know, it's like this this weird um, – it's a language. It's a word thing where we take it way too literally you know, control your child is really not what you really want to do. What you want to do is have a relationship with with your child so you can support them. Um, Schools. Um, X amount of states out of the 50 states have banned corporal punishment in schools. Any idea how many people have banned corporal punishment? Uh, Half the states? 31 states have banned it, which means 19 states still allow it. Okay. Which is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that all those schools in those states are practicing it. No, that just means that they're not going to get in trouble if they do it. Because I think sometimes when you look at the law books, there's some crazy laws on a lot the of books. Laws. And it takes a congressman to, get, to actually it change it. So. Um, so this is a survey. In 2013, survey of 2,200 adults. Is it appropriate for parents to spank their children? 81% say yes sometimes and 19% say never appropriate. My hope is that someday that will be 100% say it's never appropriate. Here's the deep problem with the whole spanking thing when we're talking about should we or shouldn't we is if you were spanked and you start to say, I don't think it's an okay thing, then you have to reconcile something in your own childhood. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean that you have to get angry at your parents or be think that they're bad people or decide that everything in your childhood was was crazy. Mm-hmm. You just need to reconcile that even though your parents were doing the best they could with what they had, it's what they knew, it's mm-hmm. what was normal. Right. That doesn't mean you need to continue it. And so instead of getting angry with them for making that choice, you instead say that that was then. Right. Just like when I was going, you know, um, I'm, my mom and I were laughing about this at my lunches when I was going to school in elementary school it consisted of like bologna on white bread with Fritos and a Twinkie. That's what was normal, you know, in my time. Right. And now we wouldn't think of doing that. But that doesn't mean my parents were making all these awful choices. It just was what was happening. I personally would have stayed away from the Fritos, sweetie. Uh, you know, and I should have said. I think they're the worst chip out are. there. And I got to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to shock a lot of people. Right. I don't love Doritos. Yeah, that's a problem. I know. And everyone's like, ooh, cool ranch. They 
grossed me out. What so about bad. taco Doritos? That was the closest thing to mm, Doritos. taco Doritos are good. But so that's so, why I think people. I'm sorry. That's why I think that people struggle with saying it's not an okay thing. So within the survey, um, what percentage of parents say they have ever spanked their child? In 1995, it was 80 percent. Wow. That's a lot. 2013. What do you think? Um. 60. 67%. Yeah. So we're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, there's another part I want to do. it. So studies on corporal punishment, they studied 36,000 individuals, over 88 studies. Okay? So here's the pros. These are some of the findings. Some of the pros on the short-term positive effects on corporal punishment or spanking. Okay. There's only one. Can you guess what the pro is? For it. Stopping the behavior immediately. Immediate compliance with the parent's request. Because of pain and fear. Here's the cons. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Increased aggressive and delinquent behavior in children. Poor relationships between parent and children. Mental health issues in children. Increased physical abuse of children. Those are the short-term negative mm-hmm. effects. Um, the long-term negative effects. So I'm staying with the, with the negative. Mm-hmm. Long-term negative effects, and this is what the study says... It creates adult aggression and criminal behavior. It can. You're saying it. It's more likely to than somebody who isn't spanked. Yeah. Uh, Decreased adult mental health, depression, and anxiety with drug dependency. Okay. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to turn in that. I got got spanked by my mom one time. Right. A plus B doesn't equal C. What what Todd's saying is that there's statistical significance that show that there's a connection. And there's increased risk of spousal abuse or child abuse as an adult. Mm, Interesting. And the the pro for long-term effects was there were none. Like there's no pro long-term effects according to the study. So anyways. What was the study called? Does it say? Well, there's it says 88 studies. Oh, so they compiled Yeah, they compiled. Oh, that's even this. better. Right. Because when it's one study, you kind of don't know right. what was involved, how many people. But there's 88 studies and that's what they found. Right. And I think what's important is, you know, again, I don't like – there's no sense in making parents feel guilty or shameful about choices. That doesn't help them. Compassion – is what we really have to practice with ourselves and with others because compassion changes behavior. And so if these are choices that you're making and you're like, yeah, but it's working or this is all I know, you know, this information can give you kind of different insight where you can say, you know what, here's what we know and actually I don't feel good after I do it and maybe I get that immediate um, you know, compliance, but then I feel disconnected from my child for yeah. two or three days. And those are the things you start to look at where you recognize what, what do you really want with your, with your children? What do you really, really want? And it's connection and relationship and, you know, love. And that's unfortunately one of those things that doesn't work out. So it says 85% say they would rather not spank if they had an alternative in which they believe. So oh, here great. are the few. Now, some of these things that we, you and I agree on and some of them not so much, uh, like timeouts. Mm-hmm. You and I don't do timeouts. We don't. But as you were talking about detachment, it's a better step than yes, spanking. moving towards it. I don't love the concept of timeouts, but I think it's a better alternative. Removing privileges, verbal reasoning, positive reinforcement of good behaviors, establishing healthy rules and boundaries. Like there's a lot of different techniques to pull from. Absolutely. Some of which on this list that we practice, others of which we don't. The problem is, is that everything with our children is not a one moment situation. That behavior is based on experiences over a long period of time, meaning that 
it's not just happening in a vacuum. Right. You know, like it's not like our children are demonstrating a behavior all out of the blue. There's something going on. Like the thing that we have to understand about behavior is it's a method of communication. Our children are communicating something with us. Either something is going on with them that they're struggling with or something that they're unable to say or speak. And our job is to help them communicate it effectively without having to um, you know, practice negative behaviors. And the example I can give you is the emotional piece. You know, our child's having an emotional experience and we tell them to either be quiet or to stop it, or we tell them that they're being dramatic, or we tell them that they shouldn't be sad about something. They shut that down somewhere. And not only do they not believe that they should feel the emotion, but they're angry at you that you weren't able to hear it. And so that can turn into something. So there's so many layers to not having those those big behavior explosions right. and when those big behavior explosions happen because they do right that's when you really have to calm down that's right and you yeah, can't you have to like inversely yes yes you know if they're going crazy you got to be Calmer. going crazy with calm do not bring anger to anger you will only create a huge fire right. you have to if they are angry you got to go calm and you have to help them process what they're feeling. It's not a power struggle and a win-lose. That's when you are going into child and you are trying to fight with your child like a child. Mm, and that doesn't work. It Well, it just rips your relationship apart. So we've done two dedicated shows to spanking. And, okay. Um, one is at zenparentingradio.com slash 193. And the other one is zenparentingradio.com slash 74. Okay. So if you're interested, go ahead. Or you can use the search box on zenparentingradio.com and just type in whatever word you want to see if we've done a show on it. That's a way to do it. Okay. Um, here's my little... Um... Get away, sweetie. Got to get away. Okay. Thank you, Roger. Um, so here's my thing. I saw this. I'm reading this book called Money Master the Game, and I'm just bringing my two cents to the most recent Zen Parenting podcast episode. So uh, Tony was talking about our deficit, our national deficit, and how much we owe every year. Um, so in two, this is an actually an old video. In 2012, uh, the United States, and I think in that year or, or up to that point, they owe $15 trillion. Okay. Okay. And uh, two things. Uh, how do we become solvent? Like how do we make that deficit go away, mm-hmm. whatever the def- deficit happens to be? There's two ways that people interpret it. The liberals say tax the rich mm-hmm. and the conservatives say if you do that, it'll destroy the economy. Instead, we just have to cut our expenses. And those are two extreme on right. either side. And, and we're not here to judge either one no. on this show. But the only reason I'm bringing this up is the idea of a trillion is almost like trying to figure out how many stars are in the sky. Right. It is so – it's really hard to even fathom. How do we get there? I've never been able to uh, describe what a trillion dollars is because I simply can't understand it. What I've always said is think about how much a million dollars is. And then a billion is a thousand million. Oh my gosh. I know. And a trillion is a thousand billion. Unbelievable. And that's how I've always explained it whenever I'm teaching, talking about money or whatever. But Tony had a really good example of how to understand how much those numbers mean. Okay. And he wanted to quantify it in terms of seconds, like seconds, one, two, three seconds. Okay. Okay. So if if you said, Kathy, one million seconds ago was about how long ago? Do you want to take I a guess? I have no idea. One million seconds ago, our listener, take, take a guess, was 12 days ago. Okay. Okay. So a million seconds from this moment was 12 days ago. Okay. A billion seconds... You got a guess? 
I was told there would be no math. <laughs> 32 years ago. So a wow. million wow. Is, is 12 days ago. Okay. A billion seconds ago is 32 years ago. Okay. That's kind of crazy, It right? is. It, give, it gives you some perspective. A trillion seconds ago. Be 100 years ago. 32,000 years ago. Oh, my God. So a million seconds ago is 12 days ago. A billion is 32 years ago. And a trillion is 32,000 years ago. And, it, and what that is, that's like relative comparativeness yes. between what a million and a billion and a trillion really is. And it tells you how outlandish. It's funny when you say the word trillion, it almost sounds like a kid word. Yes. Like I'm going to bet you a trillion dollars. Yes. It's like a funny word. So that gives you some, and I'm trying not to depress our audience, but you know, the country and our fiscal policies is kind of crazy. And it gives you some, it, it helped me understand how much that money is. Right. That's it. We can turn it around. In the Clinton administration, we didn't have a deficit. I know. And I only say that not to – that I'm not trying to be – And he taxed everybody. Everybody's taxes went up. Yes. And he um, did a good job of cutting his expenses and everything else. And the only reason I bring that up is because it's something that we remember. Like that was our 20s. Yeah. And so it's possible. Anything is possible. Like, you know – no matter what we're dealing with in the world, you've got to believe that there can be another way. The scariest thing I hear people say to me is when we're like, when they say things definitive, like that's just what people are like, or our world just sucks, or you know it'll always be this way, or worse. The worst thing is, oh, it's getting worse. You know, when people tell me that, I'm not in denial of these challenges. Todd just read to us our immense money challenges, but we created it mm-hmm. so we can change it. Yeah, we, we We're acting it, we as if it. it's something that was like handed down to us from the stars. Yeah. We are the people. We are society. Well, I've always human beings are very resourceful. We I mean, are there and are times, resilient. There are times when we're selfish, and there is times where we evolve to whatever challenge presents themselves right. to us. So there's no doubt that we can fix this. One of the things that um, I was just re-listening to an old uh, Oprah show. Um, you with, were? Yeah. On the He's o- in the building! <laughs> oh, it was one of the first times when Brene Brown was on and she was talking about that in her research, she used to think that there was vulnerable people or good people or bad people and yeah. that everyone was just kind of what they are. Right. And what she realized is that there's no such thing as a vulnerable person and a non-vulnerable person. There's people who are vulnerable at different times. Right. And so it's a moment-to-moment thing. So... I believe the same thing. There's not good people and bad people. I mean, yes, you can show me. Everyone's always like, what about Hitler? Okay, I know. I know. I'm aware that there are people who who have gone off the edge. But let's talk about this middle majority, you know, and that people can change. You know, these people who say, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, there's people who, like this one guy who used to work for corporate America, you're going to remember this story with me. And then he decided to go on a trip and then he started buying books for these kids in this village and quit his corporate job mm. and did something totally different. Or the guy that decided to start Tom's mm. or the guy um, or the women that, you know, the woman, the doctor who flew out to, um, gosh, where is she? Is she in Africa? And she started doing the fistula mm-hmm. um surgeries for the women who had babies at 10 or 11. There are people who can shift from maybe having a perspective on the world like it's all about me and success and then realizing there's something bigger. That's called evolvement. Well, and sometimes it's done without a plan. And my example is always Paul Newman. He's like a famous movie star. And then all of a sudden he makes this spaghetti sauce and his friends tell him, hey, you should sell, you should put this in a bottle or a jar 
and sell it. Absolutely. And $100 million to charity later, it's still giving to charity. Absolutely. I mean, it's just nuts. And that's always, you know, that and that whole idea of serving others, I used to be really afraid of when people say, I need to serve others, because I always thought that meant that I had to do something other people told me to do. You serve others with your inherent gifts. You make spaghetti sauce that you love to make. And you, as it sells, you give the money away. You teach things that you love for free. You, you do creative acts that people can watch and say, wow, that's beautiful. You change the world with your gifts. And you know what? We're going into 2015. People may be listening to this in 2015. Happy new year. So for those of you who think that you're one way and you want to be more of another way, start right this second. It's not, you're not set in stone. We're constantly evolving. Start in the now. Um, our Being last, now. our last partner is uh, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. His number is 630-956-1800. And don't forget that um, you have a third book that's out there. Um, I do. It is um, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. I also have the Self-Aware Parent 1 and the Self-Aware Parent 2. You can buy all three for $35 on my website, or you can go to Amazon and get whichever one you want. And yeah. Anything else you want to promote, sweetie? Um, I don't think so. I, I just hope that everybody, again, going into the next year has some um, thoughts about instead of saying I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do this or being kind of self-shaming or self-punishing do things that make you feel good because that'll take you further than negativity true that yeah are you going to put that music back on I'm actually going to hide it from the first time around I'll just kind of put it in got it okay we're all good so um, this is Todd Adams saying bon voyage and this is Kathy Adams have a great week adios adios